Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Well, good morning. We're so blessed to be here, and I just want to greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because I know all of you love him. I could tell that during praise and worship, and we just love you guys. Some of you we don't know, but, you know, the love of God surpasses that. So when we just, you know, we love you because of Christ. Amen. You love Christ. We love Christ. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, we've been married 52 and a half years. I'll give yep. you a little stats. Yeah. Uh, we've been married 52 and a half years. That's right. Uh, so, yeah. Amen. We've been mar- uh, married and then we've been in the ministry about over 48 Going years. 48 years. Yeah, 48 years. Uh, the current church we've pastored uh, is we we uh, will pastor it in March. It'll be 31 years that we've pastored this one church. Yeah. We've pastored other churches along the way. We're originally from Kansas. Yep. So I was born and raised in Kansas, and so were you, right? Yes. Yeah. I was. Okay. We were in the same hospital. Yes, we were in Ransom, Kansas. And uh, anyway, uh, so we're originally from Kansas, a little town, and everybody says a little town, you know, six, seven, eight thousand. No, my town's 150 people. And dirt streets, we do have curb and gutter, but they didn't pave the streets. We still have dirt streets. That's right. So anyway, uh, we went back in August of this year and sold my mom's house and because they both passed away. It was a hard, we spent two, about three weeks there, yeah. so it was a hard time, but um, it was, it's good closure. But anyway, so we're from small towns. We love people. We love fellowshipping with people. Yep. Uh, yep. We're not um, here to, uh, Rich is not here to preach and leave, but we're here to preach and uh, get acquainted and fellowship and love you. Amen. So um, it's the beloved church. Yes. So how could we not, right? That's right. That's All right. right. We love you guys. I'll let Pastor uh, minister the Word of God. Thank you. We love you guys for inviting us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, we also have four children and uh, five grandchildren. <laughs> our oldest granddaughter is 28. Our youngest granddaughter is 11 months. The reason is our oldest daughter is 50 and our son's 32. So, we got all those years difference. So anyway, we are so blessed. They, we also have uh, three other churches. Our son-in-law and daughter, they went to uh, a church that's called The Gathering. And we planted them out there. We have an, uh, an Arabic-speaking church and, uh, that speaks uh, the pastors from Egypt. And uh, they have an amazing church. And then we have an Hispanic church. That is on our campus, the uh, uh, Arabic-speaking church is over in um, Allen, I think. And so, it's just, you know, God has just blessed us. We, had a, we have a gathering about every quarter with our Spanish church and Arabic church. And one time we were there, and I think there was 14 different nations represented. 
and, and so, so we have a lot of, uh, of different, we have people from Vietnam and uh, I don't know, all the places. And, and we're just blessed because, you know, there's only one body of Christ. Now, I noticed some peculiar things when I came here. I went to the restroom. I, I read this thing that said, don't flush women and babies down the stool. But I had to reread that to make sure I didn't mis- misrepresent it. I want to say to you that uh, I want to release something over you when you sow into Dorothy and I to, to, to what God's called us to do and to be. Two things. Paul said, first of all, he said, you know, it's not the gift that we rejoice about. It's the harvest that goes back to your account. So as you sow to seed, God releases a harvest. And always remember this. You think seed, God always thinks harvest. So when you plant, I'm a, I'm a country boy, worked on a farm, um, and so I love this country. I love the, the country area, the corn and everything, and, and, but everybody, good farmer knows there's seed time and harvest. And, and the, the harvest determines, is determined by how much seed you plant. And you, your farmers, you know that. And so, thank you as you sow to Dorothy and I, and I'm going to release something else to you that Isaiah, or, um, Psalm 65, 11 says, the Lord will crown your year with abundance. So I release over you abundance. And also it says, King James says that uh, wherever his chariot wheels, they drip with fatness. Another translation says, whatever God touches in your life turns into a harvest. So I'm declaring to you and releasing to you that as you have sown seed, not only to us, but to, to the ministry here. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, I'm kicking that ball around, aren't I? Um, thank you. Um, God is touching your life. And every area of your life he's touching is with the harvest. And, and the other scripture is that God causes financial grace to abound towards you. And it's all in relationship of giving. So that you always have an all sufficiency in all things. You may abound to every good work. And the whole purpose is to abound to every good work. And, and I'm telling you right now, Dorothy and I are blessed. God has blessed us so much. I'm sometimes embarrassed how much God has blessed us. But we have sown seeds all of our life. We were in times when we first started in the ministry, going to Bible school and stuff. We didn't have no food sometimes. And just at the last moment, somebody would come to the door. And When we were in California, um, we didn't even make enough money to buy food stamps. I think you had to pay $40 for $200 or $300 worth of, we didn't have $40 to, to buy food stamps. So, uh, uh, another couple that are fellow students with us, they had food stamps. And so they would go get the food and they had tied a tenth of their food to Dorothy and I. So, um, God just has a way of blessing you. And we've gone through the places where, you know, the cupboard's bare. We had three daughters and, and, uh, two of them are, 13 months apart, little babies, and, you know, God faithfully took care of us. And uh, so it's, it's so good. I just want to encourage you that uh, God will bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you and never stop blessing you throughout all eternity. And what I've learned, I'm, Dor- I'm 73 and Dorothy's 49. I married her before she was born. She didn't know it. And then... But uh, a lot of ministers today, you know, six, I think 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month in the United States of America. 
And, and I can tell you why. They're not passionately in love with Jesus. And I teach a class at uh, Karis every year. They bring me in at the last of the season, uh, April or May, and I teach the third-year students. And I teach on how to live in the presence of God. And they always want me to bring that at the end of the year. And, and I, I talk about the presence of God, but the presence of God always comes. And so the reason you can stay healthy, be in the ministry starting our 48th year, is that you stay in love with Jesus. But you've got to have time to spend time in his presence. If you don't spend time in his presence, you're going to be wore out. Because it's his presence that strengthens us. And here's the thing. Think about Here's our God who created all of heaven and earth. Bids us to come and live in his presence. And even now we're seated at his right hand in Christ. So it says, seek those things above. And so that, because our life is hid in him. Christ is our life. So, I'm looking forward to 80. Because when I was 50, I said, you know, I'm going to look better at 60. And 60, I said, I'm going to look better at 70. So, I'm declaring to you right now, I'm going to look better when I'm 80. So, I'm telling you. When we come back, seven years, we'll come back every year as Pastor C brings us that. In seven years from now, when I come back, just remember, I'm going to look better then than I do now. So we'll be healthy and strong. We're grateful. Dorothy and I are so grateful that God has blessed us. And um, I want to say this about your pastors. Pastor Steve, is this, this is the honest truth. Outside of Andrew, he's the only one that has ever been given a standing ovation in our church. And we've had some good. We've had Bob Yanding. We've had Barry Bennett. We've had Audrey Mack. We've had some good speakers there. That's how they honored him. And you know why they honored him? Because he honors the body of Christ. Him and Kay both. They love you. Uh, uh, and so I, I'm just so encouraged to, to be able to come here and minister to you. And if you'll notice, though, I got the memo from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Pastor Steve missed it this morning. I'm, I'm in tune with your colors. <laughs> just, just want you to know. I told my media lady that, uh, you know, I give her the scriptures every week. And two weeks ago, before Pastor Steve came, she said, what's the scriptures? I said, I don't know. I know, but if you'll pray in the Holy Spirit long enough, you'll get the same scriptures. <laughs> so it was kind of quiet on the other end. I said, but I know you don't have time to do that, so I guess I'll give you the scriptures. <laughs> Isn't it good to walk in the Spirit? Amen. To live in the Spirit? Somebody came in here this morning with a back pain. It's gone. Am I talking to somebody? Is that you? Stand up, honey. Now, where'd the pain go? It's gone. It's gone, isn't it? Can you bend over? How, how, what would you do if it hurt? Huh? Did, it, did it leave when you came in here or during worship? It left during worship. Left during worship, didn't it? Isn't that awesome? The Lord told me that that was going to happen. So you can sit down if you want to, honey. You're with the youth, right? You and your husband? Yes. Okay. Two weeks ago, a lady in our church had broken her shoulder. And it was severely broken and had to do surgery. And she could only lift it this high. After therapy and months, and the doctor said, that's as good as it's going to get. And you can't put it behind your back. During worship, her shoulder popped. Boom. Her arm goes straight up. Puts her arm behind her back. And you, I have her give a testimony last week. 
And I knew during worship, the Lord said, someone came in here with back pain is going to leave. Is that awesome? That's the power of worship. And, and I believe we're coming into a day. You'll see more people healed in worship because that's the presence of God. And, and we're going to see people healed in that presence. <clears throat> but I've got to tell you about a, uh, <clears throat> a Baptist dog. There's a Baptist minister and his wife. They were looking for a Baptist dog. So they go to a, a, a pet shop and say, we, we want a Baptist dog. And they're like, I haven't, I've never heard of a Baptist dog. They kept going. Finally, they went into one that they told the guy, so we want a Baptist dog. He said, I've got just the dog you need. Brought this dog out. Said, go get the Bible. He went over on this coffee table, put the Bible down. He said, Psalm 23. Puts his paw on Psalm 23. John 3.16. Puts his paw on John 3.16. He said, that's the dog we want. So they bought it. They took it home. Brought their elders over and said, we've got to show you our dog, our Baptist dog. So they call the dog in there and he says, go get the Bible. And he goes and pulls it off the coffee table and says, Psalm 23, puts his paw on it. And he said, uh, John 3:16. boy, he puts his paw on it. One of his elders said, well, does he do anything like a natural dog does? You know, he said, I don't know. So he said, heal. The dog jumped up in his lap, put one paw on his head and the other in there and began to howl. <laughs> And the pastor said, oh, my God, it's a Pentecostal. (laughs) It's good to be a Pentecostal, isn't it? Praise God. (laughs) George Whitfield said, you know, I fear the day will come when they'll cut us down to three hours preaching. Telling you. Well, that day's come and gone. But I'm going to share with you about holiness. I ministered this a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Steve watches all my uh, line online what I'm ministering, so he's in tune with what we're doing. And, and um, I'm going to approach it differently than, than I did a couple of weeks ago. Holiness gets a bad rap. I noticed when I said holiness, it got real quiet. The atmosphere changed. I felt the change of the spirit came in really strong. Because you see, holiness with the the Pentecostal holiness people, these different ones, uh, the church that I was raised in and stuff. But holiness was an outward appearance. Like Kay is holy this morning. You notice her hair is in a bun. She's holy, except those britches she's wearing. My God. Amen. The first Pentecostal mom I ever saw had her hair in a bun, never wore makeup, never shaved her legs, and had a sack dress on and looked like army boots. That was their idea of holy. Her husband came in. He was the speaker. He was an evangelist. He had the old uh, um, polyester suits. Some some kids don't know that, do they? 
But the old polyester suits shined. They were shiny, and, and, and boy, he came in, his hair was slicked back, and shiny, everything. And, and the lady following him, I thought was his grandmother. It was his wife. That's the one I saw with the makeup, you know, no makeup, no, I mean, I thought, my goodness. But see, that was their, their, their example of holiness. Well, holiness is, is who we are. We are holy because our God is holy. Holiness, <clears throat> the, in the Bible, how many of you have seen the word saint? Saints? Well, the word saint is the word holy. Hagios. And what holiness means is dedicated to God for righteousness. So everything in the Old Testament temple... All the vessels and everything were holy because they were dedicated to God for righteousness. Well, we all know, you've been taught, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Romans chapter 6 talks about us walking in righteousness. And uh, thank God you have, I have a pastor here, you do, that's been teaching you all these things, so I don't have to go into detail on them. But I have to show you that... Sin no longer has dominion over us. Self is the problem. Sin can only come into your life through self. We either sow to the flesh or sow to the spirit. Which one are you sowing to? Because you will reap something from both of them. From, from, from the flesh you reap what? Death. It's the only thing it can give you. From the spirit, the only thing he can give you is life. So before I got saved, before you got saved, I could only sow to unrighteousness. I couldn't sow to righteousness. But when I got saved, I can still sow to unrighteousness, but now I can sow to righteousness. And I've, I've talked to the Lord about this. I said, why didn't you just wipe all that out? The old man's dead, right? You know, he's, but you know... Unless we reckon him dead and sow to the Spirit continually in our life, that's how he stays dead, by the Spirit. The same Spirit that killed us, the same Spirit that raised us from the dead. You know the work of grace was twofold when you got saved. The first thing the Holy Spirit did was kill you. With a smile on his face. With a hammer and, 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 and a handful of nails in his hand. Because he's getting ready... To take that old man and nail him on the cross with Jesus. And then he came and raised us from the dead and raised up in Christ. So we now are alive unto God in Christ Jesus, right? But we do know this, that the old man, we have to take what's in our spirit and let that be renewed by the word of God and the spirit of God. Our mind has to change. Our soul man, our body. Well, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and our heart has to change. So this is a process called sanctification. Sanctification is easy for me. I went to a seminary. I won't tell you what church it was. That was a Methodist church. But we had to take a class on sanctification and the book is about this thick 
When I got through with that class, I had no idea what sanctification was. <laughs> so here's sanctification. The Holy Spirit takes you by the hand, walks you up to Jesus, and says, when I'm through with you, you're going to be just like him. Right. That doesn't mean you ladies are going to have beards and stuff like this. He's talking about the spiritual change that we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. Think about that. That's our destiny. Every Christian should know their destiny. What is your destiny? To be just like Jesus. Someday we'll have a resurrected body. That's when redemption is complete. We'll have a glorified body just like Jesus. But you know, Jesus' glorified body lives in us and lives in this body because we are the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. So that's how easy sanctification is. As we see him, the more you see the Lord, the, spirit, the spiritual principle is, when you see him, you become like him. You behold like in a mirror and the Holy Spirit's changing you from glory to glory into the image of Christ. The glory of Christ. Now, that's awesome. But all we have to do is keep beholding the face of Jesus. Walk in love. Love God. Love people. And live a life of surrender. And that's a progression. Because as God is changing us from glory to glory, I guarantee you, you will run into your old self. And that's why the Lord disciplines us. It says the Father in heaven disciplines us. And the purpose of the discipline is so that we can partake of his holiness. We become holy as he is holy. And he disciplines the flesh because he's a father of spirits. And that's not through sickness and disease and all that. That's all under the curse. God can't discipline you through the curse. He's delivered you from it. Amen. So who's being disciplined? It's not our spirit. It's our flesh. How's he do it with the word of God and the spirit of God? The more we walk with him, like I said, the reason it says lift up those hands that droop down, because I don't know about you, but when I'm walking with the Lord, the Lord comes to me and says, this part of your life is not pleasing to me. So let me take it out because it's dead and let me put Christ in his place. But Abraham was fondly uh, attached to Ishmael. But God, the day came when the Lord said, you're going to have to separate Ishmael from Isaac. Remember? Because he said, Ishmael is the son of the flesh. Isaac is the son of promise. So when we got born again, we have Ishmael and Isaac fighting. The old man that's dead, the new man that's alive. Now, when God begins to deal with my Ishmael, he can deal with some things that I'm fondly attached to. Oh, that... Ishmael might live in your sight, Lord. No, no. Separate Ishmael, only Isaac will live. And when he took him up to be offered, the Lord, Dorothy pointed this out to me. It says, take your son, your only son. He didn't acknowledge Ishmael. And God doesn't acknowledge your flesh. 
You can talk to God in your flesh all you want. He ain't hearing you. Because if you go out to the cemetery, do you notice those people don't, they don't correspond with you? If they did, it's a demon and you need to just, just tell it to go back to hell. But I can go to any cemetery. I can stand over any grave. I can spit on it, curse them. I'll get no response. Or I can stand over the grave and say, you're the hottest thing that's ever gone since sliced bread. You know, you're awesome. I don't get any response. Dead men don't talk. But if we walk with Christ, my old dead man has no voice in my life. You understand what I'm saying? So I have to learn as I'm walking with the Lord. The difference between the voice of my of the spirit, the voice of my shepherd and the voice of the old man. Sometimes the old man, the most dangerous old man is a self-righteous old man. Because then he'll take the scripture and, and tell you, you're the hottest thing that's ever been born on earth. And God has this great ministry for you and, and, and you're just going to change the world. Well, God may have that for you. But it never comes through pride. Never comes through self. In fact, when the Lord speaks and shows you some things in your destiny, it's very humbling. Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. And look at the destiny God called him to. He tried to run away from it. He tried to do it in his own flesh. And yet God still brought forth the destiny in Moses. And Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. You know that, don't you? By inspiration of the Spirit. So Moses wrote that he was the meekest man in all the earth. He wrote that down. And I've always pictured Moses, the Lord speaking to him, and he says, by the way, I want you to write this down. Moses is the meekest man in all the world. And Moses is like, that's me. I'm the meekest man in all the world. I can't write that down. Well, you just disqualified yourself. Because if there is self in him, see, humility is the complete absence of pride. If Moses had not been the meekest man in the world, he would not have wrote that down. So how many of us could write down, I'm the meekest man, I'm the meekest woman in all the earth? I couldn't do that. Well, if God told you you was, you better do it. And be thankful for it and grateful. Isn't that awesome? We have such a good God that allows us, makes us to share his nature of holiness. And holiness is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Nehemiah, you know the scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know where that came out of, Nehemiah chapter 8? You know what the context was? That Nehemiah went and Ezra and they rebuilt Jerusalem. And the law or the word of God had never been read. That generation had never heard the word of God. And they got up and read the word. 
Starting in the morning, all through the day. And it says, and made them to understand it. So they were getting revelation of the word of God. And it was so overwhelming to them. They were weeping and mourning and crying. And Ezra said, don't weep and mourn. This day is holy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Rejoice. Take wine and drink and go and be merry. And and those who don't have anything, whose nothing's been prepared, give it to them. So that means as Christians, we give to them what we're eating and drinking. But he said, this is a holy day. And because it's holy, rejoice. And the end of that chapter says, and they left rejoicing. Here's the face of holiness. Awesome. Look at your neighbor and give him a holy look. Smile at him. Now see, if you give him this holy look, it's like, so holy. Don't you dare smile. Holy people don't smile because they're holy. You know, God laughs all the time. It says, in fact, he sits in heaven and laughs. He's laughing at the whole situation that's going on in America. You know why? Because he set them up. He said, go ahead, build your gallows. I know who's going to hang on. It's not going to be Mordecai. It's not going to be President Trump hanging on those gallows. It's going to be the ones who built it. Isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah, God sets you up to either succeed or fail. It depends on which side of the track you're on, you know. You're on his side or the world's side. If you're on the world's side, he's going to set you up to fail. If you're on his side, he's going to set you up to succeed in everything you do. Because you belong to him. And the key that we learn, it says in, I think in Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians says that uh, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. What was that price? The blood of Jesus. Therefore, you're the the temple of the Holy Spirit. Glorify God in your body. This is awesome, isn't it? Now, the good news is we can't do that in our own strength. I used to have a picture of Jesus back in the 70s. He was the saddest. Looking person, you know, tears in his eyes, sad looking. I thought, well, that's Jesus. Just, oh, you know, he's just so holy and he just. And then they came out this picture in the 70s called the laughing Jesus. Has anybody seen that? I was so holy. That when I saw that picture, I was upset. I mean, I was. It looks like a drunk. looks like he's when I used to drink. That's the way I used to look. I know what a happy drunk looks like. <laughs> My Jesus can never look like that. Boy, I, I, boy, I was mad. I, that, that is this the devil and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> well, the Lord begins to teach me. I'm a happy guy. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all the brethren. I finally fell in love with that picture. 
And I was sharing that with all the people. I gave all my elders a picture of that. Walt still has that picture in his office. Jesus smiling. So one day, one Sunday morning, everybody, I, I, I looked this way. I don't know what I was doing. And when I turned around, they had all made a happy face of Jesus. And they all, all I saw was these smiling Jesuses all over the congregation. <laughs> we're to reflect his holiness. But that means we're happy. You should shine. Your face should shine with the presence of the Holy Ghost. I've said, Holy Spirit, smile through me. Laugh through me. Let them see you on my face. Because you are the face of Christ to the world. And as you behold his face, you reflect his face. You know, God hasn't made this hard. We do. Because we get caught up in ourself. We get caught up in what we're not doing right. And then we then condemnation knocks on your door. Well, you're supposed to be holy like your God. Jesus said, be holy as your father is holy. It's repeated again. Peter says, be holy for God is holy. It's a command. But it's a command we can't fulfill in the natural. It's a command so that God is letting us know that I am making you in my image and I am the holy. Just think about this. God is the whole, the highest glory of God is holiness. Out of his holiness comes love and righteousness. They're, they're, they're united together. That all comes out of grace comes out of his holiness. We come out of his holiness and we then are made in the image of his holiness. That's quiet. Because you see, we look in the mirror. My book has a picture of my son looking into a mirror and seeing Jesus. But we look in the mirror and the reflection we see sometimes is our own reflection. James says it this way. If you're not a doer of the word. When you look in the mirror, you only see your natural reflection, knowing not what manner of man you are. But when I look in the mirror of the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, then I begin to see what manner of man I am or manner of woman. What, what manner of man am I? I'm like Jesus. Well, I've never said that. Well, you're not humble. See, humility takes the word of God and says, God, everything you say and hear about me, I'm going to accept it and speak it. That's humility. Why? Because I'm humbling myself and I'm, I'm saying this is my authority. So, God, if you say I'm holy, I'm holy. If you say I'm made in the image of your son, then I'm like Jesus. Remember when Philip said, Jesus, show us the father. We'll be satisfied. And he said, man, I've been here so long. You don't know who I If you've seen me, you've seen the father. I'm going to say something to you. Some of you, this is going to twist your brain around and you're going to maybe get mad at me. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Oh, I can never say that. You're not humble. There's some of the old nature in you or some old uh, theology, some other church you came out of that's, that's hindering you from declaring who you are in Christ Jesus. 
Are you listening to me? Now, do I always act like Jesus? No, ask my wife. She'll fill you in all the information. <laughs> but Paul said, I haven't attained all this yet. Paul did not walk in all that he wrote. Do you ought to understand? He wrote by inspiration. He said, I still haven't obtained all of this, but I keep pressing on because I want to apprehend what God apprehended me for. So I'm going to forget that what happened back there. I'm going to keep pressing on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And what is that high calling? That someday you'll be just like him. Your whole body will be like his body. And that's when redemption is complete. So right now. You are. The holiness of God. First Corinthians chapter one. Where it says, Christ has been made unto us redemption, justification, sanctification. Well, that word sanctification, the, trans, uh, the, the uh, Passion Translation says, Christ has been made unto us holiness. Because when you see the word uh, sanctification, it is the word that says, God makes you holy. Isn't that awesome? How many of you are familiar with First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23? Put that up there. First Thessalonians 5.23. Doesn't matter what translation it's in. I'm going to mess it up anyway. But it's where... Now, look at this. Now, may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. I love that translation. I'm glad you put that up there. To make you completely holy. Isn't that awesome? And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body... Be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Isn't that awesome? He is, now King James says sanctified, but it's the same meaning. God is completely making you completely holy. Your soul, your spirit, your body, your heart, your mind, every part of you. That means you're just like him in your thinking, in your actions, in your eyes, and everything you do. Is that awesome? Now, at the end of that, where it says the coming of our Lord Jesus, the word coming there is, or appearing, either one, is the word perusa. It can be translated two ways according to the context of the scripture. The literal Greek and a lot of other translations says they, they don't translate it coming, they translate it presence. You can translate it both ways. And I like the way, uh, I, I always say this scripture, that God keeps us. You know, completely holy in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do I stay holy? I stay in his presence. Where does holiness take me? Into the presence of God. How do I know if you're full of holiness? You're full of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You're full of glory, joy unspeakable and full of glory. You're full of the word of God. So what, what the Lord is wanting to do is break off of you everything that condemns you. But sometimes to get out of condemnation, you've got to change what you're doing. Yeah. I'll try that over here. <laughs> sometimes to get out of condemnation, you have to stop what you're doing. Yeah. Because that, these guys are awake over here. Because, see, now watch this. If I'm doing something that's sin, which is missing the mark of God, 
I'm under condemnation. I'm so into Ishmael. I'm so into something I'm fondly attached to. That's not God. And that will condemn you. God doesn't have to condemn you. You have a conscience. And you keep violating your conscience because you're not letting God work holiness in you where you're going to find true happiness. You're not going to find true happiness in those, those circumstances. Whether it be a person, a job, or whatever it is, doesn't matter. Your only true happiness is in Christ. Amen. And, and He just happens to be your life. The reason we are holy, because the Holy One lives in us, and the old man no longer lives. To live is Christ. Christ is in you. And I think He's holy. So that must mean you're holy too. Because God's whole working of discipline, like a father disciplines a child, is so that we can be a partaker of his holiness. And then it goes on to say, and if you're trained by God's discipline, it brings forth the peaceful fruits of righteousness. God is awesome. I've got in my office a chair, which is my kneeling altar, and the scripture above it, which is um, Ephesians 5.1, it says, Be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. We're to imitate our Father. How awesome is that? Like father, like son. I can imitate God. You want to read something sometime, you don't have to. Proverbs 8.31. It talks about Christ when he was with God as wisdom. But he talks as a little child that I rejoice before him every day. Read it in the Passion Translate. You, you would sit there and say, oh my Lord. We can imitate our daddy. There, look at this. I laughed and played so happy with what he had made while finding my delight in the children of men. Think about this. Jesus laughed and played in the presence of his father. I've got that in front of my Bible. I wrote it down. I, Rich Van Mickle, I laugh and play in the presence of my father. And he's smiling at me. Now, sometimes I do something stupid and mess up. A lot of times I'm so holy. This has been years ago, not that much very often. I would be mad at Dorothy. So I'd go to my office and get holy. Well, I'm just going to spend time with the Lord. I'm so holy. And the Lord would not let me do anything but say, one scripture came to me. Are you loving your wife the way I love you? I don't want to hear that. Jesus, I'm here to get holy. Don't you know I'm here in your presence? I'm going to study the word. I'm going to love you and worship you. Uh, how, are you, are you how are you treating your wife? Oh, God. I've got to repent now. I did. There's times I had to come and apologize to Dorothy. 
Because God won't let me get by with it. Now, he did when I was younger in the Lord. But when you grow in the Lord, there's certain. This is what I'm saying about condemnation. There's certain things when God begins to deal with you with the word, you've got to change. And the thing I'm learning is what you what you compromise to keep, you'll end up losing. What you compromise to keep, you're going to end up losing it. But when you walk with God, I'm 73. I don't know how many days I've got on the earth. Maybe I'll be 100. I don't know. But I expect God to keep dealing with me. He has dealt more with me in the last six months of this year than he ever has in my life. And that's why I came to begin to now teach holiness because I've got to live what I teach. And so every day I have to get up and say, thank you, Lord, you've made me holy. I may not feel holy. But as I declare it and begin to thank God for it, all of a sudden he begins to change me. And I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of me that still needs to be changed. Because think about the image we're being conformed to. Jesus. Well, you said you just told me that if you see me, you've seen Jesus. That's true. You know why? Because it's by Jesus that you see him. It's by the blood of Christ that that statement's true. Amen. And if you declare it, I'm telling you right now, God's listening. So what he's going to say to Rich Van Mikkel, you just said in front of all these people, you're like me, right? Yes, Lord, I said it. I know. You're going to get me now. What part of me is not like you? But you know what? As you declare, how is faith activated? It's voice activated. When you begin to declare to God, in agreement with his word, that you are holy as he is holy. It'll be one of the most humbling things you ever said. You know why? Because everything of the old man will fight that. Amen. Only God is holy. How dare you say that? Well, the word of God said it. Jesus said it. Be holy as your father's holy. And you know, Jesus didn't mix words. He meant it. But the point is, you can't do it in your own strength. And that's where these churches that came out and all of a sudden holiness became uh, what you wore, how you fix your hair. They love, they love sinners and hate saints. I'll say that over here. <laughs> False holiness loves sinners, hates saints. So when you get saved, oh, Jesus loves you. But when you get saved, now they take it upon themselves to make you holy by the way you cut your hair. By what clothes you wear. And if you don't meet their standard of holiness, they don't like you very well. So a lot of these precious people trapped in that kind of church and and doctrine, they never know who they are. And so they measure themselves according to church doctrine. You know what I'm saying? Instead of measuring themselves with the word of the living God. Because the Holy Spirit won't bless your opinion. He won't bless your doctrine, your tradition of men. He will not bless it. If he blessed it, he would become a liar. 
And he wouldn't be your father who disciplines you. You know, God doesn't care anything about your opinion. Sometimes your opinion gets in the way of God. Sometimes if you're very opinionated, that's the very uh, Ishmael that God's after. Well, my dad was that way, my grandpa and I'm that way. Well, I'm sorry, your dad and your grandpa's not your father anymore. Your father's in heaven. Amen. And the blood of Jesus made it possible for you to be seated at his right hand right now. So in Christ, you can behold the father. In Christ, you can behold the face of Jesus. And we, we are conformed to what we're looking at. If I'm looking at the Bible through a man's doctrine, I'll never see Jesus. I might be saved and go to heaven. But you know, Jesus never said he saved you to go to heaven. You won't find it. What did he say? You come through me to the Father. He said, I want to save you for the Father. I want you to know the Father. Well, his home happens to be in heaven. But it's not heaven you're after. It's the Father. And Jesus said, I want you to come to know the Father. And so many Christians go through their life. I want to be, well, I'm born again. I'm going to go to heaven. I can't wait till I get to heaven. Well, you don't have to wait. Pastor Steve, heaven's in us. And we're in heaven to say, somehow by the Spirit, right now I'm sitting in Jesus. In heavenly places. And he's sitting in me on the earth. So I am in him. My life is hid with him and the father right now. But his life is in me on earth. And a lot of Christians hide that word in that life inside of them. He's in there. I used to have this little box. (laughs) It's kind of funny. With an eyeball peeking out of it. And if you shake it, it would say, let me out. Let me out. So. So one Sunday morning, I said, I got a word to you from the Holy Spirit. And they're all like, what is it? And I took the microphone. I shook that little box and said, let me out. Let me out. (laughs) So many Christians don't let the Holy Spirit out. To bring you into holiness and righteousness. And that's your nature. That's who you are. So if we let him have his work, he's going to mess with the old man. And he's, you're going to run into some Ishmaels. Then you're going to have to make a decision. Will I let go of what I'm finally attached to? Jesus, let him be your example. Because we're to look at him, right? When he came to the temptation of the greatest temptation of his life, it was the Garden of Gethsemane. About the cross. He went to the Father three times. With the same thing. Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way? My flesh is weak right now, but my spirit's willing. Father, is there any other way? Then this cup can pass through me. No. From me, no. Nevertheless, Father, then not my will, your will be done. Now watch what Jesus was doing, though. You notice in the Garden of Gethsemane, he shed blood. Shedding of blood is always redemptive. Jesus was not only 
totally surrendering his will to the Father, which he did all of his life. He was redeeming our, our fallen will. He was redeeming the will of God back to man. That's why he was in such agony. So you and I, we still have the fallen nature will and we have the living will of Christ in us. Our heart decides which one of those we're going after. Where your heart is, your treasure is. If I'm going after Jesus, then I'm going to walk in the will that only says yes to God. You know, the fall of Adam was, here's what happened. You know, sin originated in heaven. Iniquity iniquity was found in Lucifer. Therefore, he's the father of lies. Well, sin didn't originate in us. We accepted it. But how did we do it? What did what did Lucifer do? He exalted his will above God's will. Because, see, we were created in the will of God and for the will of God. To live in the will of God. So what Adam did was. He exerted his will above God's will. And that's sin. That's the root of sin. So in our life, when God the Holy Ghost is ministering something to us, taking that word, taking the spirit, Jesus and the Father is talking to us, the real you and me. We have a choice to make. Do I exert my will over his, which is sin? Or do I surrender to his will? And I can surrender his will because Christ is in me and I can be just like Jesus. I don't do anything unless I see the father doing it. I don't say anything unless I hear the father saying it. You say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You just don't know who you are. You just don't spend enough time with the father to really hear what he's saying and telling you to do. Jesus withdrew himself and spent time with the father. So he got told what to do. I get this picture of Jesus. That's so fun. You know, when he sent his disciples out the one time to cross over and they were out in the middle of storm and, you know, with a storm, he sent them out, said, go to the other side. He dismissed the crowd, blessed them. Then he went up in the mountain alone with the father. Now, think about this. He comes down. There's the shore. He sees the peop- his, his disciples out there fighting a storm. And not, there's no boats. Well, Father, how am I going to get on the other side? Oh, that's easy, son. Just walk on the water. You say, but he was the son of God. No, he's the son of man at that moment. And he only did what the father showed him. And, only, and so the father said, oh, son, you go ahead. Just walk on the water. So what did Jesus do? He just took off walking. Why? Because he believed everything the Father told him. And he was a man like you and I. He learned obedience. Jesus progressively became known to the Father. In the Scriptures, one of them where it says, This is my beloved Son, whom I love, the word there is agape. In another instance where he said, This is my beloved Son, I phileo him. Phileo is friendship love. So what was happening in Jesus' life from the time when, when he come out and got baptized and the Holy Spirit came on him and the Lord said, this is my beloved son whom I love. He was agape loved, but as Jesus walked with the Father, he became the friend of God. I know I just blew some of you away. 
See, progression is this. You are born again by agape love. But as we walk with God, we learn phileo love. God is still the God of phileo. We become a friend of God. It's a huge difference. As we walk with God, that's when we learn that we love the commandments and we learn we love to walk with God. That's where we become a friend of God. You know, a lot of children, I know we sing the song, I'm a friend of God. You've got to look at the, what it means to be a friend of God. My little 11-month-old grandbaby is not my friend. She doesn't know how to be a friend. We have to love her, walk with her. Carry her, and after ten year, ten days, ten hours with mom and grandpa and daddy, or granddaddy time, here. <laughs> When's your dad coming? <laughs> I'm wore out here. I've been walking all afternoon like this. She's walking now. Chest hold my hand in the hand though. And by the end of the day, I'm going. Oh. <sighs> the point I'm making is, baby Christians aren't friends of God. They are going to become friends of God. As they begin to know how to interact with God. Am I making sense? And that's called holiness. That's called being sanctified, being completely made holy by God. And the more you walk with him, the more you'll see how holy he is. And that means that you share that holiness. This is just good stuff, isn't it? It's good stuff because it's true. Thank God I can get up here and share truth with you. I told the Holy Spirit, I said, listen, I want to teach you something, especially people that want to be in the ministry. Moses didn't get to go into promised land because he misrepresented God. The first time God, they wanted, they cried out for water. We've got to have water, water. God said, strike the rock. Water came out, right? You know why he said strike the rock? Because that was a rebellious generation that was not going to go into the promised land. So, before they get, go into the promised land, 40 years later, God says, Moses, speak to the rock. Speak to it, Moses. What was he saying? He was saying, that generation 40 years ago was so hard-hearted, they were like a rock. I had to crack that rock. But this generation is a generation that hears my voice. What did Moses do? He struck the rock. Misrepresented God. Water still flowed, but God said, Moses, because you did that, you're not going into the promised land. You misrepresented me. So when you're ministering the gospel, it's not only what you say, but how you say it. You know, I can tell you you're going to hell two different ways. One way I can, you bunch of dirty sinners, and you know what I'm saying? The other way is Christ loves you so much. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to come to Him. It's a huge difference. So I always say, Holy Spirit, don't only let me say what you're saying. I want to say it the way you want me to say it. And I want to, my face to reflect what you're saying. Because when I first started the ministry, 
About the second Sunday I ministered, I'd never, you know, I was standing at the pulpit like this. And all of a sudden I stepped out of myself. Literally. I could see the back of myself. I could hear me preaching. I looked around. There's Dorothy and my little daughter. I looked over here. And I, that probably lasted 30 seconds. I don't know, maybe a minute. I, I'm just watching myself preaching, watching everybody. Next thing I stepped into my body. And after that, I, I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, what was that about? And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to know it was me preaching, not you. So I learned that lesson. See, I don't have nothing to say if I'm not letting the Holy Spirit say it. A lot of preachers don't know that yet. You know, as a minister, I can get canned sermons. I can order a whole year of sermons outlined. All I have to do is put the meat on it. A lot of pastors do that. But you know what? When you have a relationship with God, and what I'm saying to you is, when you're in public, you are reflect the love of Christ to whoever you come in contact with. Amen. When you're going through the checkout counter and that little girl or woman or man or whoever, or they've been there and man, they, they've had people rag on them. They've been people, especially in the hour we live in today with the COVID thing. And man, they're wore out. But you walk up there and smile at them. You let the love of Christ. I practice letting love shine through my eyes. It's fun. Because your eyes reflect who's on the inside of you. And I've just walked through counter and just lifted their day. Or you go to eat out and the, the, the waitress, dear Lord, she's probably been, somebody gives them one of those dumb false hundred dollar bills and she needed money and she starts it and it's a track. I'd throw it on the floor like she did. If you want to be a witness to her, leave a real hundred dollar bill. Amen. And we've done that a few times and, and, and they were just, you know, they were in a financial bondage. And you know what that did for them? I became a living epistle of Jesus Christ. Amen. That makes sense? Because you don't know what day they went through. You don't, watch, you don't, want, don't know what's going on in their life. So they're the worst waitress you ever had. Bless them anyway. Why? Because that's what holiness does. I don't know about you, but I was a sinner one time. I was an enemy of God. And there's not anything I did to get saved. Jesus came and revealed himself to me by the word of God and the spirit of God. And then he was formed in me. I got born again by grace, just like everybody else in here has. Because if you don't think you were saved by grace, you'll never walk in grace. If you think you're saved by the letter of the law, then you'll walk in self-righteousness. See what I'm saying? I never forget from where I've come. <laughs> but I surely know where I'm going. Amen. That good news? Amen. Shoot up there on the screen. I had all these things written down. I just, I'm just letting the Holy Spirit flow. Because I've been meditating on this for a long, 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 long time. Forty years is a long time. And then the sad part of that is, I'm just now getting it. 
I'm serious. Oh, if you think you've got everything God has for you, come up here and I'll cast that out of you. <laughs> We're not going to get it all till we get up there with him and see him face to face. Because we see things now dimly. But then we'll see face to face. But the more I see his face, the more I'm becoming more like him. That's why at 73, Dorothy and I were good. We're going. Last year we were in seven different countries in eight months, I think. And it was, it was a wild year, but it was awesome. Let me read this up here in Ezekiel 36, 23. Um, I was reading, uh, I looked up all the scriptures that had holiness in it. Read them all. Let me encourage you in something. When you study something in the Word of God, go back like you never studied it before. And you'll always get something new. If you approach the Word, well, I've got that t-shirt been there. Now let's go on to something new. You're going to miss God big time. So every time I do a studying something, I've studied maybe a thousand times. I will go and say, Lord, now I want to approach this like I've never heard it before. So what happens then is my preconceived things won't stop me from getting revelation. You know, God could take that one scripture, John three sixteen, and share, share the whole gospel out for the rest of your life. It's that powerful. But if you just think, well, yeah, John three sixteen, God's love the world, gave him God's, you know, I'm out. I have read that scripture, I've meditated on that, I've read that scripture, and guess what? I continually get revelation from it. That's how powerful the Word of God is. And so church, never think that you've got anything to the fullness of what you've been taught. There's more. I think all out, throughout all eternity, you know, the, the, the cherubims that go around the throne... Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is. You know why? Because when they, from the front, when they go around, they come back and they see something about God they never saw before. Let's go back around. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. We should go around the throne of God like that. So every time there's a fresh revelation, it's like, holy, holy, holy. And guess what? Throughout all eternity, we'll never know all that there is to know about God. Because if we did, we'd be God. So think about this. The God that who lives from eternity to eternity will forever be revealing something new about himself to us, his children, because he delights in surprising us. Is that awesome? You're not going to get to heaven and, oh, I know everything about God now. No. Zillions of years from now, when there's times not like ours, God will say, oh, i got to show you something new. Wow. Holy, holy, holy. I throw my crowns at your feet, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the blood that was shed. Those are going to be eternal worship words. And all of heaven bows and throws their crowns and holy, holy. And I'm telling you, throughout all eternity, we're going to have holy, holy, holy moments. Is that awesome? 
That's how good God is. And he wants us to get as much of that as we can this side of heaven. In fact, if I experience the love of Christ, the word of God says, I become filled with the fullness of God. The more I experience his love. So my simple prayer to Jesus has always been, Jesus, show me how much you love me. Why? Because then I get filled with the fullness of God. Oh, that can't happen to you get to heaven. I don't know, but my Bible says I can get filled with the fullness of God now. The only thing I can't do is have a resurrected body yet. You have the mind of Christ. Remember that? You can think the way Jesus thinks. I don't always think the way he thinks. I don't know about you. Sometimes I have to take these thoughts captive. Because they're not always obeying Christ. Am I the only one that has to really do that? Listen to this in Ezekiel 36, 23. And this is when Israel was like they always were. They were in captivity. And they were doing in captivity what countries they were captive to. They, they became idol worshipers. They intermarried with the women. They weren't supposed to do that. Men and women weren't supposed to intermarry with others. So God is speaking to them. And he says this. I don't know what translation I have. I can read that one. He says, and I will sanctify my great name. Now, I'm going to read. I don't know if you have the revised standard version, but it reads better. It says this, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. Which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. In other words, the nations have, have uh, profaned the holiness of God's name. And when, when the Jews were put into captivity, they profaned the holiness of God's name. By they entered into idol worship. They entered into the what the, the, the nations were in. So he says, not only did the nations have they profaned the holiness of my great name, you have done it. Now God says this. This is this is so awesome. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Now watch what he said. Through you, I will vindicate my holiness to them. I will show them my holiness through you. And then the rest of that chapter, if you read it sometime, it says that I'm going to bring you back to myself. I'm going to take you out of the nations. I'm going to bring you back to myself. I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to put my laws in you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And you will be my people and I'll be your God. He's talking about a New Testament. So the point of this whole scripture is this, church. God vindicates the holiness of his great name. The name of Jesus happens to be the name above every name. God vindicates the holiness of the name of Jesus through us, the church. The name of Jesus is vindicated, the holiness of it, through us, the church, to the world. Amen. Amen? 
God said he would do it. God said, look, you're out there in the nations. You're doing what they do. You're profaning the holiness of my great name by your actions. But I've got good news for you. I'm going to bring you back to myself. I am going to vindicate my holy name through you to those nations. That's holiness. Is that awesome? Church, we, we vindicate the holiness of the name of Jesus to the world. That's why we're in the world. We should not be of it. The scripture says we're to learn how to possess our bodies in holiness and righteousness. How can we do that? Because we're full of the Holy Spirit. Is this awesome? The day we're living in, we're getting ready to see a great revival sweep the world. Because the church is going to, number one, come into repentance. And the Lord spoke to my heart years, and probably 40-some years ago. He said, never, ever come against my church in any way. He said, you reflect me to my church, and I'll bring them my church to myself. It's my business, not yours. It's easy now with this COVID thing. The church has been exposed. Judgment begins at the household of God. You know why? Because God has to vindicate his holy name in his church and then to the world. So the day we're in right now, God is bringing his people together to himself. Because they've profaned his name. But now God's going to change that. He's going to separate the church from the religious system. The religious system will attack the church just like it did in the old covenant. Uh, and when Jesus is day. And the Lord spoke to my heart when he saw, I saw this glory revival in a vision in 1978. And he said, when this happens, he says, everyone that is born again will say, this is my Jesus. And I saw doctrines and traditions of men flying out the window and, and, and church coming into righteousness and, and repentance and walking in righteousness and holiness. I saw it and we're going to see it. What we have to do is be Gideon's army. Now watch this. Some of you are older back in the 50s and 60s, especially, there was a movement called We're the Remnant. Remember that? Some of you may. But what were they saying was, we're the elite. We're the remnant. We're the true sons of God. Well, that's not a remnant. Remnant doesn't do that. When they went from, what was it, 22,000 with Gideon down to 300. When the 300 went and they didn't win the war, God did. But when they went to get the spoils, Gideon said, now we're going to take these spoils and bring them back and give them to all of Israel. And the 300 said, what? Excuse me. They all went home. We went and fought. No, you didn't go fight. You just went in there and God did it. So God is raising up a remnant. And I believe this is one of the houses of remnants of a people 
that will vindicate the holiness of God's great name, the Lord Jesus Christ, the name above every name been given by now, that we will vindicate the holiness of his name to the world around us. That's the remnant. But when the, the harvest of the glory starts coming and multitudes, the city becomes God conscious. It's for the whole church. And it's for the nations. But God has to unify his church first. And he's doing, going to do that. But I'm telling you, he's going to do it through a remnant. That will say, Lord, we believe that we are the holy holiness unto God. Therefore, our whole life is to vindicate the holiness of the name of Jesus. Through us. So we rejoice when we see our brothers and sisters who've been out there, some of the church, and, you know, they believe in crazy stuff. Marching with Black Lives Matter. <laughs> but we can't condemn them. Judge not, lest you be judged. Same judgment you meet out, come back to you. Now, there is judgment in the household of God. In this church, Pastor Steve and Pastor Bob and the elders, they are to watch over you to protect you from wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, that's the time of judgment we have as, a, as authority. I've had to judge some wolves in sheep's clothing in my church and uh, had to deal with them. God dealt with them. Ninety-nine percent of them left. Very few of them really repented. So there is godly judgment given to leadership to protect the people from wolves and sheep's clothing. But for me to judge the church, that's not my place. But what I am called to do is to become, the Lord spoke to me this. He said, you know, in John seventeen twenty two, it says the glory that God gave to Jesus, he's given it to us, that we can be one. And the Lord spoke to me years ago and he said, the more you and I become one, the more you can help my church to become one. Because you see, we can all sit on the outside and see, you know, we can see each other's faults. But Paul said, I don't see anybody after the flesh anymore. How do I see them? I see them as hidden in Christ. Therefore, what I've got to do is be like Michelangelo. They said, how, how do you make these great sculptures, you know? A big chunk of rock. He said, I don't see a chunk of rock. I see this figure on the inside. And all I got to do is chip away everything that's not that figure. So when we look at the church, I see Christ. And my position of anointing is just to chip away everything that's not him. Not to judge you. Because that will only put you into more condemnation. Or it will make you mad at me. And you'll go away mad. But if I bring the to, to correction of the spirit to you, what God is doing in disciplining and training is just chipping away everything that's not Jesus. Because he's the image you're made into. Am I, is that making sense to you? So what we what what I what I'm doing is by the spirit of grace is um, uh, 
releasing by the Spirit the Father's discipline to separate you to himself. He loves you. He's jealous over you. He doesn't want to share you. And you notice, you notice my grandmother, I had a grandmother, she's very prophetic. Oh, my gosh. But she didn't know, she knew the Lord, but she didn't, was never taught about the gifts of the Spirit and stuff. But she had the ability to, by the Spirit, see things that God was going to do. And it was a decoration of those things that came to pass. Years, well, I'll tell you what it was. My grandmother and I, sat, we'd sit out on the north side of her porch house, and there's an open field out there. And this was in, I was six, this was like 1953, 19, somewhere in that time. And she said, we are going to build a community church. Everybody's welcome to come. And I'm going to play the piano, and she played the piano in church, and you're going to preach the gospel to them. Sixty years later, in my hometown, a pastor friend who I grew up with, who were drinking buddies, now we're pastors, built a community church in a little town. Sixty years later that my grandma prophesied about, and he called me to come and dedicate that building to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? And when Bill called me, I said, well, let me let me tell you the whole story, Bill. The reason you wanted me to dedicate it. And I told him about my grandmother. The only difference is she's in heaven playing the piano. But that prophetic word is so powerful. And so what's happening with you, the Lord is releasing over you his will, his plan and his purpose. To show you that you're just like him. And it takes a work of the Holy Spirit to unravel us so that we can believe that. And it's not up to me to bring the church into unity. It's up to God to do that, but it's up to me to be in unity with him. So I want to read this scripture and end with this. And first Peter three eleven says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved. And he's talking about the heaven, the new heaven, the new earth and everything. He says, what sort of people ought you to be? You are to be those who lives, your lives, your life is of holiness and godliness. That's the work of the Holy Spirit Church. And those words, holiness and godliness, has become has so brought forth in self-righteousness that it hinders you. Because your thoughts of godliness and holiness are wrong. You are God's holiness. You are God's godliness. That's who you are. And the more we surrender self and believe and humble ourselves and believe the word of God, we become more and more like him. Isn't that awesome? And see, Stacy, right? You have judged yourself so hard because you didn't think you were doing everything right. But I break that off of you right now. Amen. You are God's holy little daughter. You could, he wants you to bounce. He wants to bounce you on his knees for a while until he bounces all of that unworthiness out of you. You strive so hard 
Because you love God, you love people, you're such a wonderful lady. But God now says, I want to show you who you really are. And break all that. I'm just telling you, that's all broken off of you. Now you can get up and just rejoice in His presence. Isn't that awesome? Am I hitting it right? (laughs) I'm just telling you, church. The way God sees you is usually different than you see yourself. But God sees you. He sees Jesus. Huh. They're just alike. He's the firstborn of all these wonderful people. We're made into his image and likeness, church. Some of you right now are being released to walk in your calling. And what's held you back is you've felt unworthy. Or you felt like you had to change some things in yourself to walk in that. And God says, you don't have to change yourself. You can't. God is changing you. And today I believe there's a spiritualizer if you've been open to even more of his great, wonderful plan for your life. And nobody can hinder it or stop it. You can't wait for a certain thing to happen before this happens. God said it already happened before the foundation of the world. Now you can walk in it. You're, you're totally unhindered from anything. Does that ring a bell? I understand how the prophetic word works. And I don't mind asking somebody, well, is that right on? And uh, at this point, 99% of the time, it's been the Holy Spirit when I spoke to some people. I prayed for a man one time, his ears couldn't hear. I went like this. And his eyes go... I thought, he's going to tell me he could hear. He says, no, you just put back feet into my hearing aids. (laughs) How about blew his brains out? (laughs) I think God just laughed at that one. I think he said, son, that was really funny. (laughs) Why did I say that? Because sometimes we're going to miss it. And God's not mad at it. You take a baby that learns how to walk. You got if they fall down, what do you do? Come on, you can do it. So God will coach you along the way. And some of you have not stepped out into what God's called you to because you're afraid. Number one, that he didn't call you to it. And what if you stepped into it and it wasn't God? But what if you step into it and it is God? It's going to be awesome. See, pride will push you into thinking you're something great. I've got this great ministry. No, you don't. Well, I'm going to go out. No, you're not. God doesn't operate that way. God says, here's what I've called you to. And you're thinking, oh, my Lord. And a lot of times he has to talk you into what he's called you to. Because you understand it's him, not you. And all we have to do is surrender. And say, God, thank you. Your greatest day, you two, your greatest days are ahead of you. You've had some dreams and visions that haven't come to pass yet. But God says they're getting ready to come to pass quickly. Quickly, 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 quickly. And God's showing you some things you're going to be moving into. And it's amazing. It's, it's absolutely. Sometimes things are so big we have a hard time believing them. 
Believe God. Your greatest days are ahead of you. God doesn't have no bench warmers. We're all in the field. You say, but maybe I have a physical condition. Doesn't have nothing to do with your physical condition. I'm going to say this, now I'm going to qualify it. You could be sitting in a wheelchair and have a great healing anointing for other people. Because it's not about you. And why did I say that? Because some of you think you have to get in a certain position before God can do what he told you he's going to do. And God says you're already in position. Just let go and let him do it. Surrender to what he's saying to you right now. Am I making sense to somebody? Gunner, God has a great plan for your life. He really, really does. And it's, it's really going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome. And, and God's going to start opening your mind and to, to who he is in your life. And, and it's going to be amazing. You're going to be so radically in love with Jesus. That just like you're working and fixing your computers and everything for other people. You're going to be fixing people. With the anointing of the love of Jesus in your heart. You're a wonderful young man of God. And so it's going to be awesome. You don't have to work yourself into it. You have to let him. You surrender and say, now God, you do this to me. You told me this. Here I am. Moses said, well, I can't talk. Well, I already knew you was going to say that. So here's Aaron. (laughs) This precious sister right here. You, you, there's, there's a tremendous call on your life. And you've seen some things. But it's not time to hold back anymore. There's not a magic moment. And now it's time, Lord. No, the Lord said it's time. He's developed some things in you. That's like himself. The thing you have to guard against is you can't be critical or judgment towards any person on this earth. You have to guard that because the love of Christ is going to flow through you in a very... And the things God showed you are pretty powerful, pretty amazing. But you're going to be so dead in Christ that you're going to be so alive in Christ that the things he showed you are coming to pass. Does that make sense? Praise God. See, 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 we have to... We have to know that it's God that's doing it through us. That God had your name before the foundation of the world and he listed what he called what he wanted you to do when you got on earth. All we have to do is surrender to it. Am I making sense to some of you? You thought you thought your days of ministry were over. God says you haven't even started it. Both of you. God's. God's got something that's going to work through you. And, and, and you have judged yourself of not being able to, well, Lord, you've got to look at my age, look at me, look at this. And the Lord says, no, I'm looking at your spirit. And it's the strong spirit of a man or a woman that sustains him. And God's going to sustain you through the spirit for the work that he's got you to do in these last few days. You're going to fulfill what God's called you to do. And so you, you're, not, you're not going to disqualify yourself no more. You're going to stand in the presence of the Lord and say, Father, you've qualified me for what you've called me to do. And some of the timidity and shyness is coming off. 
And there's a fresh boldness with love that's coming on you. That will, will move you into what God wants you to do. But it's by the spirit of grace. And so that little bit up there, it's not a little bit, it's a lot of them. Well, I don't know, Lord. I just, no, God said, I'm going to remove all that. That you'll know, that you know, that you know that your master has spoken and ordained into your life what he wants you to do. And, and um, you're going to be a force to be recognized in the kingdom darkness. They're going to know that God has called this man and woman. Does that encourage you? Yeah. Good. What's, what's interesting, sometimes when I'm talking to people, you can see in their eyes, they're like, I, I, ho- I hope that's right. I think it is. It is right. It is right. It's right. And you're greater than you think you are. Greatness is what God thinks about you. And we limit ourselves when we try and measure ourselves with his greatness. And what God is saying, I'm taking my greatness and that's your measure. So God's going to move you to into a greater awareness of how great he is in you. So you can step into the things, especially some things God's shown you. And, and you're trying to move into it in your own greatness. And you can't. He's revealing his greatness in and through you both. And once you begin to get that great revelation of his greatness, you, you'll, you'll be like uh, Joshua. For 40 years he was in that desert because of the doubt and unbelief because of those stupid giants. And I think 40 years he was sharpening his sword. And when Joshua said, what do you want, Caleb? I want the mountains where the giants are. My sword is razor sharp. I'm going to go take their heads off their shoulder. God's going to give you that kind of boldness in the spirit realm. And you're going to wreak havoc in the demons in, in the darkness camp. I mean, you guys are going to have to walk in such authority because you're going to know the one who gave you that authority. So you watch. It's going to be awesome. You'll ne- you won't, you won't. Fear will be so foreign to you because God fills you with his greatness and his courage. Is that? Mm-hmm. And if you walk in love, everything will work out okay. That's the, whole, that's the whole bottom key to everything. If you walk in love, it'll be all right. It's when you walk out of love that you get messed up with self mm-hmm. and thinking you're something. But in love, you know that he's everything. And the youth are going to explode into revival. Revival is when a community becomes God conscious. You're going to see the youth come in here because God is here. And it's going to overwhelm you, you and your husband. But you're going to be so... In fact, I'll show you what I just saw in the spirit. You're going to go to God and say, God, what do I do with all these people, all these youth? And the Lord's going to say, I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) Because now I'm going to show you what I'm going to do through you. I called them here, so I've anointed you to be able to shepherd them. On the day of Pentecost, think about this. Here's here's a hundred and twenty. And before the day's over, there's three thousand. And you're like. What am I going to do with these people? <laughs> Just obey the Holy Ghost. 
It's coming. You watch. You'll have youth coming out of the woodworks. Because the light of God is going to shine upon you here. Because you're both walking in tremendous love. In fact, you're too mercy motivated sometimes. You, learn, you have to learn the no word. Because sometimes it's always the yes word. And sometimes God says that's not a yes. Because you're such a servant. Servants have to be careful to hear the voice of God when not to serve. Am I making sense? That's a word for some of you. Sometimes when you're servant motivated, which we all should be, but some are just super servant motivated. You know what I'm saying? So merciful, so this. But there's a time when God says no. Jesus went to the pool of Shalom only healed one person. What about all the others? I don't know. Father sent him to one person. And some of you need to know, I want to share this with servant mercy motivated people, because I was one. People will take advantage of you. All they want is the fruit off of your tree. And if you let them take all of your fruit, they'll never know how to grow fruit for themselves. And you've been picked apart. You have been picked apart. Even before you got saved. But God says no more. No more. He's going to solidify his love in your heart so strong. You're not going to be taken advantage of. You're going to hear the voice of God so clearly. He's going to say no. He's going to say yes. And you're going to know when he says no. And you're going to know when he says yes. And you're going to be free from what others have done. You feel obligated sometimes. And God's going to take that obligation out and understand you're only obligated to him. And then you're free to bless other people. Is that, am I missing it? Is that making sense? Years ago, the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, I don't want you to minister to my people. I'm like, really? I thought that's what we did. He said, no. He said, you minister to me first. Then I'll minister through you to my people because I know their needs and you don't. I've lived that way for 40 years. Because a pastor's heart is so loving that we don't want anybody to hurt. We don't want anybody to. But when God says, I'm dealing with them, leave them alone. You can't fix it anyway. Don't you go over there and comfort their flesh. I'm dealing with something in them. I'm rearranging the furniture. Leave it alone. Don't touch the ark while it's being moved on a man-made cart. So I've learned. Set back. What do I do? I pray. Intercede for that person. I, their fire, I'm not going to get caught on fire with what they're fire on. Their emergency doesn't constitute, uh, I mean, their lack of planning doesn't constitute my emergency. Am I making sense? Especially for pastors. They think they have to put everybody's fire out. No, I don't. I ain't going to mess with your flesh that's on fire. I'm going to let God take it out of you. I'm just going to give you the word and the spirit and love you. And what's God work? You're a man full of wisdom. 
You're a common sense kind of guy. You're a thinker. Right now, your wheels are really turning. (laughs) But you're a good man. And there's a lot of common sense-like wisdom that's in you from God. And you're going to be able to help other people with that, especially young guys. But but you're, you're going to become a person that they're going to know when you talk. They're going to listen. Because you're going to have something to say. Because I sense you're a man of few words. But your words are powerful. And, and you've got to walk out of just the, just, how come I put this in the words, what I'm seeing? About, about, you know, like a lot of times we're, we're, we're the good old boy in the country, so to speak. We're that good old boy. Well, God's going to move you out of being a good old boy. To being such a powerful man of God. That, that you're going to be like a solid rock. To the body of Christ. And you're going to be a man that people can trust. They can come to you with their deepest fault or whatever it is. And you're going to be a father to them. And you're going to, they're going to know that if they come to you. You're not going to be a, ter- a tail bearer. But you're going to help them. Because your whole heart is to help people. I think you would, if I said, brother, I need your shirt, you'd take it off and give it to me. And God says, because of that, you're going to move into a new dimension of being able to not just take your shirt off and give it to them. You're going to be able to give them the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest thing they need. And it's going to be awesome. You're a good man. So, does that, hope that registers into your heart. Let me say something to you, all of us. Shyness is pride. Paul had to tell Timothy, don't be timid. But have the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm speaking over some people right now. Stop being timid. If you're timid, you're thinking of yourself. What will people think if I say that? Well, what would God think if you don't? Because you have the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And so God's breaking some of you right now. He's breaking timidity off of you. And then you'll know how to release to men the things of God. Some of you ladies especially have been had been... Hurt by men. And God's breaking that off of you. Because your father in heaven is your father. Jesus is your elder brother. And I've got a baby sister that if if, uh, someone's going to mess with her, they're going to have to come through the elder brother. Amen. And it ain't going to come out good for them. Well, that's how your elder brother Jesus feels about you as ladies. They're going, to, they're going to try and mess with you. Now they got to come through me first. And there's a hedge of protection coming around you right now. I'm telling you by the Spirit. And you're going to understand you don't have to be in that situation. You don't have to be cowered down to anybody. Because your elder brother's standing up for you. 
Now, I'm speaking to a whole lot of people, aren't I? (laughs) You'll never be timid again in Jesus' name. Your elder brother's standing right there with you. And that guys better, people better be careful how they treat you, young lady. Your big brother's watching over you. Isn't that awesome? And say, get him, Jesus. <laughs> this little seven-year-old girl, her teacher's atheist. Well, what would you do if the devil knocked on your door? Well, I'd just let Jesus answer it. <laughs> So when the enemies knock on your door, just let Jesus answer it. Let the Spirit of Grace go before you. All of you, I could, I'm just, I could point all of you out, but I'm saying this by the Spirit. You've got to begin to know what God has said about you. I'm breaking words off of what parents have said about some of you. Breaking off what you think about yourself. And understand what God thinks about you. And church, let me tell you something. I don't care what kind of condition your condition is in. God loves you. Some of you are unhappy with the way you look. Or you're upset with yourself. Or the way you let yourself go in certain areas. I break all that condemnation off of you. I want to tell you, your daughters in here, you know what God sees? He sees his beautiful, beautiful daughters. Amen. And you may not feel or think you're beautiful, but you're beautiful. Amen. In the eyes of God. We're his children. So that we can be holy as he is holy. Amen. Amen. And... Whenever I walk in some unholy moments, call my wife. She'll tell you when I'm doing it. <laughs> She's a wonderful woman of God. <laughs> she sacrificed a lot of things in her life to stay with me. When we first married, I was mean. Tried to commit suicide. I was not a nice person. She stood with me. She's the one that had to come into the locked up mental ward I was in. And be frisked and everything else. She should have threw me out the door. But she didn't. I wouldn't be here without her. Ladies, you're a good helpmate to your husband. You're awesome. Some of you guys, you need to start loving your wife as Christ loved the church. How do you do that? You give yourself up. You're the one who has to give yourself up. It would be amazing how you just see your wife get blessed. I like with Pastor Steve and Kay. They're just such a wonderful couple. And uh, I don't have to correct him. Much. <laughs> I, I just have to when Kay calls me and says, Can you do something with this guy? No, she, she's never made that call yet, but. <laughs> I 
But the phone's always available to Mama Dorothy. You know that, don't you? Turn Mama loose. You're, you know, if Mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, right? So, no, we, we love you guys. We honor you. And, and uh, I know that some of you are getting set free right now. Your whole future is changing in front of your eyes. Your heart's opening up to God like never before. And God's showing you how much he loves you. And sometimes it's a hard time to receive that love because we've been so unloved. But God's saying he's going to show you how much he loves you, honey. Because you've, you've had a lot of times when you were unloved. And God's going to break that out of you. And he's going to love you. The Father's going to embrace you in his arms. And you're going to know what it really is to be loved. In Jesus' name. What's that? I believe it when I see it. She said, I believe it when I see it. Well... Let me say something to you. Now, I could counter out that and say something religious. Down Thomas said, Lord, I'll believe it when I see it. Did Jesus get mad at him? He came and said, here, look, touch me. So, Jesus will do the same thing for you. And you just watch. You just watch. He's going to come. He's going to come. Let me give you a word on that. When you got saved, did you come to Jesus or did he come to you? He came to me. Exactly. After you're saved and you have, still have some things you're dealing with, do you think he'll come to you and help you? Mm-hmm. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Mm-hmm. I backslid when I got, after I got saved, big time. And the Lord spoke to my heart before I backslid. He said, you're going to go away from me, but I'm going to come back to you. And he did. He didn't let me die when I tried to commit suicide. And I should have died. The doctor told me, he said, you took enough pills to kill a horse. But God said, no, I'll come back to you. And when I got out of that mental health clinic, I looked up at the sky and I said, Jesus, the best thing I did for my life is I tried to destroy it. I give it to you. It's not mine anymore. And he came and brought me where I'm at. He will come and reveal himself to you. He just loves you so much. Is that awesome? Somebody's writing a book or something. Or thinking about writing a book. Am I speaking to anybody? Anybody in here thinking about it? Is that you? I hear the Lord say, write the book. It's kind of a testimony type of book. And the Lord says, write it. Because that book is going to set people free. And so I don't know if you've kind of slowed down the process or you're still thinking about it. That's still in the process of thinking about it. So, amen. Do it. It's going to be a blessing to many, many people. The things that God's brought you through will bring others through. It's going to be awesome. What's the name of the book? Do you know yet? Don't know yet? No, I don't know. Well, God will give you the name. Okay, when I wrote that book, it took me, I finally, Lord, what is it? What? He finally gave me the name. So he'll do the same thing. Amen? Did any of you know she's writing a book? Did you know it? That's my mom. Well, that's your mom. <laughs> that's why you're so sweet. <laughs> is that your dad? That's my stepdad. Your stepdad. Good for you. I had a stepdad. He was a good guy. It's a good guy. So, 
Praise God. That's pretty awesome. Well, I think that's about it. What do you think, Pastor Steve? How are we doing? <laughs> Somebody had a surgery. And it, it wasn't really successful. It's left you with some problems. Am I talking to anybody? That's you? You too? Well, God's going to heal those problems, what the doctor tried to fix. But he failed. But he failed. Now, you've got to forgive him, let it go. What, is it, are you in pain at times or what? I'm in pain 24-7. Okay. I'm in stage four osteoarthritis, and I had my knee replaced, and it failed. Hmm. Well, that pain is leaving your body right now. It's leaving right now. Because what the doctors messed up. Remember the lady with the issue of blood that said all these doctors, and guess what? You are healed. Pain is leaving your body. Whatever that other stuff is, is leaving your body. Because this is one way God's going to show you that He loves you. That'd be nice. It's good. You watch, that pain's gone. It's leaving you. That's yet, but hopefully. Well, just let, watch what God's getting ready to do. I know people that I've prayed for or prophesied over. It was a day later, two or three days later, and all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh. God's going <coughs> to undo what the doctors did. You watch. You watch. And what what kind of symptoms do you have? Or after the, you had back surgery? You have pain in your back? Or? Uh, it's in my leg right now. Just in your legs? Left leg. Are they, are they painful? I, it, it has been. Has been. Not right now? Not right now. Not too bad. Well, God's going to completely... You're, I'm telling you right now, you're healed. That pain's not going to come back. What the doctors messed up, God's going to right now healed you of it and fixed it and restored it. And your wife's going to be really happy to see you healed because she's such a compassionate person. He's going to be healed. He's healed right now. I'm telling you right now, the power of God just went through your body and you're, that's all gone. Forgive the doctor. Let it go. And now look what Jesus has done in your life. He wouldn't have given me that word of knowledge if he wasn't going to do it. <coughs> Amen. 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 Praise God. I didn't know about that. Well, Pastor Bob. Is that Pastor Bob up there? There's a great door of evangelism opening up to you. You're probably an evangelist at heart. Shepherd evangelist. Paul told... um, Timothy or one of them he was talking to, he said, fulfill your ministry, do the work of an evangelist. That doesn't mean you stop pastoring or being an associate pastor. But I'm telling you, there's a door of evangelism, but it's going to open in a way you didn't even know could be possible. Because it's not just a one-on-one type of evangelism. Read chapter 8 of Acts. That's the picture of an evangelist. Those marks will be working through you. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. God's talking about not just one or two people. He's talking about cities. So, I don't know if you've ever been stirred with that before or not, but I'm releasing it to you right now. Have you, have you had common evangelistic sight? Yeah. Well, 
Well, read, read chapter 8 of Acts. You'll never be the same. Because that's the pattern of these end times that God's doing through his body. So, amen, amen. Praise God. Pastor Steve. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul your mind your will your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the father desires for you to have we love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon goodbye beloved Speak like-